Well, good evening, everybody. Um, I am so happy to be here among you, and I am very happy to, uh, that the brothers allow me to share this message with you, which I love very much. It's on John chapter 1. I wonder how many times we have read that chapter, okay? And yet, you know, um, maybe we have never seen uh, the depths of this chapter, all the things that unveils. It is amazing. It is awesome. We will see that in one chapter, God gives us an extract, not only of John, but of the whole Bible. In one chapter. One chapter, when we see what is uh, unveiled there, one chapter changed my life. That's why I'm standing here before you. Instead of being in a pharmaceutical company, I'm here. I never thought I would be speaking about these matters with you. But this vision is life-changing. Okay, so, um, as I was considering how to start this uh, message, I wanted to share with you a little story, okay? This was in January of 2019, last year, and that's uh, the time when we were going through our daily Bible reading, and if you remember, on January, we read the Gospel of John according to our daily Bible reading. And I ran into, that day, John chapter 1, the second half. And verses 36 and 37 say, talking about John the Baptist. And looking at Jesus walking, he said, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Then verse 37 says, And the two disciples heard him speak this, and they followed Jesus. Now put these two phrases together. They heard him speak. They follow Jesus. So John the Baptist speaking directed the disciples not to himself, but away from himself to the Lamb of God. So I was reading my notes of that day, and this is what I wrote a year ago, well, more than a year ago. How wonderful, Lord, will it be that when I speak, others will follow Jesus. Indeed, I want to make this my prayer. Lord Jesus, make my deep longing and desire that when I speak to others about you and your worth, the result will be that those who hear me will follow you. Then I will be satisfied. So this is my desire today, that you will hear me, but you follow Jesus. If after this meeting that happens, even after the the whole conference, after all the brothers, you know, go through all these wonderful four chapters of John, after you hear all of us speaking, if the issue is you follow Jesus, we will be most satisfied. Okay, so that's my prayer today. 
And then I also remember this quote from a very mature Christian in the mid-1900s. Lord Jesus, hide me so that others may only see you working. Okay. Well, as I said today, we come to message one, and maybe we should read the wonderful title of this message. How about we go to outline number one, which is going to be on page 17 of your packet. And let's read the title together. Go ahead. The unveiling of God's eternal purpose. Very good. The unveiling of God's eternal purpose. Well, before we get into uh, the heart of this message, um, I would like to just uh, bring John into perspective, okay? So, um, you know, the first name and the last name of the Bible, Matthew, what is? What is the first name and the last name? Jesus. <laughs> okay? That's the first name and the last name of the New Testament, sorry. And this proves that Jesus is the subject, Jesus is the center of the New Testament. And so we come to the Bible, and we come to the Gospel of John. And I, I learned this as a new believer. <clears throat> the Gospel of John is the Gospel of life. Amen. Well, I want to tell you something. It's not just the Gospel of John, but the whole Bible is a book of life. And this life is a living person. The wonderful and all-inclusive Christ. So the Old Testament, okay, we have the Old Testament here. Speaks about him as the coming one. in types and figures and prophecies as the coming one. Now in the New Testament, he is here. He has come. So that's the New Testament. Okay? He is here. Okay? And so at the beginning of the New Testament, the New Testament gives us four wonderful biographies of this one person. Amen. Four biographies. And these are the four Gospels. Okay? So we have four Gospels here. Okay. Uh, Ezekiel, what are these four Gospels? In, in order. Okay, first Matthew, okay, Matthew, then number two, Mark, then number three, Luke, and John, in that order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, now, in your first Roman numeral, you see that I wrote the Gospel of John, a supplement to the Synoptic Gospels, showing Christ's deity. Now, these three are called the synoptic gospels. OK? 
okay? Because synoptic means that they have a common point of view. And what is that common point of view? Well, these three emphasize the humanity of Jesus. That's why they are the synoptic gospels. In Matthew, we see Jesus, the emphasis on Matthew is what? Isaac, what is the emphasis? Christ is a king. He's coming to bring the kingdom of the heavens to earth. Okay? So he's a king, right? Even, you know, what is the first question? It always impresses me. What is the first question of the New Testament? Where is he? Right? The coming one has arrived. Matthew chapter 1, he's born, he's here. Chapter 2, the first question of the whole New Testament. Where is he? Because we have come. We have seen his star, and we have come to worship him. So he is a king. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Then Mark, Isaac, what is the emphasis with Mark? Slave. He's a slave or a servant, right? To bring salvation to man. And then we move on to the Gospel of Luke. And... Uh, Julian, what is the emphasis with, with Luke? Christ is a man. Christ is a genuine, genuine, proper, fine man. No other man like him has lived on this earth. So he is a man. You see? So he's a king, he's a slave, or a, say, a, a servant, and he's a genuine man. These three are the synoptic gospels. So there is the need of a supplement. That's where John comes. Because Christ is not only a man, a genuine man, a proper man. Christ is also God. So John comes in to emphasize the deity of Christ. Okay? So this brings us to Roman number one. And how about we go ahead and read the verses. John 1, verses 1, 2, and 14. Go ahead, all together. Very good. Okay, so this is how the Gospel of John begins. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And maybe for your group time, I will ask you something. Discuss with your group this question. Why John added verse 2? That's a question for you. you have to, I, I could answer it, but I want you to consider why verse 2? A little hint. By the time he wrote this gospel, about 90 AD, a lot of things were creeping in to the church. A lot of heresies and different teachings. So John comes in and he is determined to deal with some of these things, some of these heresies. So verse 2 is very important. He added, he was in the beginning with God. Yeah. Why? Okay, so that's your assignment. Um, so the Gospel of John unveils Jesus as the very God himself who is coming 
to be life to men. Okay? And Colossians 2 9, how about we all read that together? Go ahead. Very good. In this verse, the fullness of the Godhead is the entire Godhead, including the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Therefore, the embodiment of the fullness of the Godhead, that is Christ, is not a third of God. When Christ comes, and in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that means, when, when he, that, means that when he comes, the entire Trinity, the entire triune God comes. Christ is not a third of God. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. So we have to get this to our heart and be impressed with the fact that Jesus is God. He's the perfect man, and he is the complete God. Josh Dexter, you have to remember this, my brother. Jesus is God. Actually, when I say it, it feels very good. Jesus is God. How about you say it? Jesus is God. Matthew, Jesus is God. He is the perfect man, and he is the complete God. Always. You have always remember this. Okay. Let us move on to Roman numeral 2. And that is, go ahead and read that, please. Okay. This is very precious. Okay. Why? Well, you know, probably this was also your experience, but when I... I became a believer, that is, a few decades ago. I still remember I was um, asked to read the Gospel of John. And not only one time, but a few times. And so I did. So why John? Why, what makes this Gospel so appealing, so comforting, so encouraging? What makes it? Such a gospel. Well, let me tell you at least two things. We love this book because it reveals the answer to two things. Number one, our greatest need. And number two, God's greatest need. Wow. There is an echo within us because this gospel Answer these two questions. Yeah. What is my greatest need? Just think about it. And what is God's greatest need? Okay, what is our greatest need? That Jesus came that we may have life. Oh, that is our greatest need. Okay, let's read John 1, 4 and John 10, 10 together. Go. You see? So in him was life. That's before incarnation. And then after incarnation, he told us clearly, I have come that we may have life. What kind of life? Well, you must know that in the New Testament, the Greek language uses 
three different words for life. Okay, what's the physical life? Isaac. Bios. Bios, very good. That's the biological life, bios. That word in Greek is never used in John, by the way. Okay? But then there is the psychological life, which is, Isaac? Suke. Okay, that is mentioned about ten times in, in the Gospel of John. For instance, when the Lord says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his psuche for the sheep. He laid down his psuche so that we may have the other kind of life, the third kind of life, which is Zoe, Zoe life. So he as the good shepherd lay down his psuche life so that we may have the divine life, the Zoe life. Okay? So that is our greatest need. Now, what about God's greatest need? What would that be? This gospel reveals that. Okay, this is the, the need. God's greatest need, that his people, that are, that's us, will be transformed into precious stones for God's building. Amen. That's his greatest need. Amen. That we will be regenerated, transformed, so that we may become God's building. That's his greatest need. Now, let us make a little pause here and ask ourselves, what do we mean by life and building? Ready? Life is a triune God dispensed into us. When I use the word dispensed, you can also use the synonym word imparted. God, life is God imparted into us. Okay? And we have a wonderful hymn that I hope these days we sing. Because when I was a new believer, when I came among the brothers, just like you, that's more than 30 years ago, I still remember that hymn. I never forgot. Life is God the Father in Christ Jesus, as the Spirit flowing into us. How enjoyable this person wonderful. He's our life so rich and bountiful. You see the definition of life in one stanza. Life is God the Father in Christ Jesus as the Spirit flowing into us. How enjoyable. This person wonderful. That's life. Now, what is building? Oh, ready for building? This is, I know this is not that easy, okay? But here it goes. <laughs> building is the enlargement of God to express himself in a corporate way. Ooh. Building is the enlargement of God to express himself in a corporate way. So, we may wonder, or some may wonder, the enlargement of God. Well, let me clarify something here. We are not saying that in himself, in his being, God is enlarged. No, he's the infinite God. He's the eternal God. In his being, he does not enlarge. But in the hearts of all, many believers, in our hearts, he needs to grow. He needs to enlarge. Christ has to grow in us. Christ has to make his home in our hearts. That's the enlargement we are talking about. Okay? So, 
God is enlarged in millions of believers. How? By imparting himself into them. First, to regenerate them. And then, to transform them so that they may be built together to become, here comes a new term, his counterpart, his bride. You have the verses there in John 3, 29 and 30. How about we go ahead and read those verses together? Go. Pay attention to something. Those verses are in, are in that chapter, who is very famous, which is very famous. John chapter 3. What's the most famous verse, probably in the whole world, that comes from that chapter? John 3.16. Can we recite that verse together? Yes. For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten Son, Yeah, not perish, but we'll have eternal joy. That's another verse for joy, the, the divine eternal life of God. Okay, that's the most famous verse. That talks about my need, right? Do you remember? In the, I just mentioned to you, this gospel unveils two needs. Our greatest need, John 3.16. Ah, very good, excellent. What about God's need? In the same chapter... A few verses later, that's God's need. In this chapter is the bride, is his counterpart. Is the bride composed by millions of believers who have been regenerated by God and transformed into precious material so that they will be components or parts of God's counterpart, his bride. You have to see this wonderful thing. So, here we have life and building. For an unbeliever, and I, I don't know if there, is, there are any who have not yet received Christ, but if that's your case, let me tell you something. For an unbeliever, life is the goal. Life is the goal. I must receive the divine life. Many years ago, I was an unbeliever, and I had to receive the divine life, the Zoe life. But for you, my dear brothers and sisters, life is now not your goal. Building is your goal. Amen. You see? So for an unbeliever, life was the goal, but for an unbeliever, but for a believer, life is no longer your goal, but the means to reach the new goal, which is God's building. You have to see this. These two things in the Gospel of John, and actually in the whole Bible, life and building. Okay? Let's move on to Roman number three. Uh, how about we read that together, and then we read uh, the verse there, Psalm 90. Okay? Go ahead. Okay, now we're moving into what is the heart of this message, okay? So we already saw where John falls into the New Testament. 
And then we saw that this book is a book of life and building. We have defined what is life and what is building. And now we're going to see how this book goes from eternity past to eternity future. Are you ready for this, yeah. <laughs> this trip? From one eternity to another eternity. Okay, so it says, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Okay, let's draw that here. Okay, from eternity, I'm gonna put it like a semicircle, eternity past, and then we go all the way to eternity future, right here. Okay. And Psalm 90 says, from eternity to eternity, you are God. That is Psalm 90, verse 2. Okay, well, this God, who is from eternity to eternity, is not a purposeless God. He has a purpose. And that's why I gave you Ephesians 3.11. All these verses you need to remember, okay? So Ephesians 3.11, which says, go ahead. According to... Very good, the eternal purpose. Probably one of the only verses in the whole Bible that mentions this, the eternal purpose. So we have the eternal purpose, Ephesians 3.11, okay. And of course there are other verses, you can write it in your notes, uh, for instance, Revelation 4.11, Revelation 4.11, which says, you are worthy our Lord and God for you have created all things, and because of your will, they were and were created. So again, God is a God of purpose. He created all things for his will that he might accomplish and fulfill his purpose. He created everything for his will. Okay? Now, concerning God's purpose, okay, he is unchanging. He does not change. He is determined. Nothing will stop our God. He will accomplish what he has purposed according to the good pleasure of his heart. Okay, and that's why you have Malachi 3.6. Maybe we can write there. Uh, you can read Malachi 3.6. Go. So wonderful, right? That our God does not change. His purpose is unchanging. Okay. Now, with John, how do we see the two eternities? Okay, well, the first one is easy. John 1.1. 1, 1. Okay, right here, you can write John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. That beginning is not the same as in Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning of time. But this one in John is different. 
is the beginning without beginnings is eternity past. In the beginning was the world. Okay? So that's John 1.1. 1, 1. What about the other eternity? Well, we see that in the last verse of John chapter 1. That's verse 51. John 1.51. And as we develop this message, you will become clear why is that the case. Okay? So maybe I should... Um, Keep that development for later on in the message. But I gave you um, a few verses there. How about you read 51 and Revelation 21 too? Go ahead, together. Okay, so that's at the end of the Bible. So you have there the New Jerusalem, okay? Right there. Okay, so that's where we are with the two eternities. And now let us move on to the heart of this message, which is Roman number four. How about we all read that together? Let's go. Okay, so <clears throat> John, in chapter 1, is going to use six signs, okay, to show us the way God accomplishes his eternal purpose. Do you realize in one chapter, he's going to open to us, to unveil to us God's eternal purpose Amen. in one chapter. That is amazing. It is it's truly amazing. Okay? Well, what about the word signs? Why that word? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we read about miracles. But it's very interesting that in the Gospel of John, the word miracle is not used at all. I, I know some of you have some Bible versions that render the Greek word as miracle. So you will find some Bible translations that use the word miracle or miracles in John. But in the Greek, it's not the same word. Okay? So the Greek is properly translated as sign, as a mark. Right? That is pointing you to something, giving you some direction. So the Gospel of John uses this word, signs. For example, when the Lord changed the water into wine, and we're going to cover that tomorrow, in John 2.11, go ahead and read that verse, go. Very good. So this beginning of signs. And in chapter 1, there are six very significant signs related to God's eternal purpose. And I want you to see them from now, from the beginning, okay? And so I'm going to challenge some of you at the end of my speaking 
to come to the front and speak to us these six signs. Okay? So, number one through six, write it down. Number one, the word, that's the first sign. Verse one. Number two, the tabernacle. Verse 14. Number three, the lamb. Verse 29. Number four, the dove. Verse 32. Number five, the stone. Verse 42. And number six, the house of God, Bethel. Verse 51. And I think it will be good. Can uh, one of you students who have a Bible, I have one. Just come here to the front and read these verses. I want you to see this. Six, and you have in your Bible, I highly encourage you. You have to highlight and circle, uh, underline, whatever, these six signs. Okay, anybody? Okay, come, come, uh, Isaac. Just. Okay, you have your Bible? Very good. Read verse one. And you, you all can follow in your Bible, in your New Testament. Go ahead. All right. I, got, I have it here. Oh, you have it over there? Yes. Verse okay. 1? Yes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Very good. That's the Word, okay? Then number 2, the tabernacle. Go ahead. Tabernacle. And the Word, this is 14, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. Very good. Then number three, the Lamb, verse 29. Go. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Very good. Number four, the Dove, that is verse 32. And John testified, saying, I beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he abode upon him. Great. Now, the next one is number five, the stone, verse 42. He led him to Jesus, looking at him. Jesus said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is interpreted Peter. Peter, that means Petros. You are Petros. That is a stone in Greek. Okay, you're a stone. Your name shall be called Cephas. Okay, Arnold. You are Arnold, right? Your name shall be called Cephas, which means Petros, which is a stone. Later on in Matthew, the Lord will say, and I tell you that, you know, I will be, you are, you are Petros, and upon this Petra, I will build my church. You are a stone, and upon this rock, I will build my church. It's very significant. He changes the name of Simon to Cephas, a stone. Okay, then number six, the house of God, verse 51. Go ahead. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Very good. Thank you so much. Okay, again, we will, we will uh, hit verse 51 so that you are clear that this is indeed referring to the house of God. Okay, you have to see this. It's marvelous. Okay, so... Um, you have the six signs. Okay, let's practice. Number one is? Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. 
Okay. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Yes. Number five. And number six. Very good. Okay. Now, um, how about sisters? You do it. But now you give the reference. Or should I go with the brothers? Are the brothers ready? Yeah, you are ready? Should, sisters or brothers? Sisters, okay. Sisters, number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. And number six. Awesome. Good. Okay, brothers, your chance. Go ahead. Number one. The word, John 1.1. 1, 1. Number two. The tabernacle, John 1.14. Three. The lamb, John 1.29. Number four. The dove, John 1.32. Number five. The stone, John 1.42. And number six. The house of God, John 1.51. Awesome. Very good. So just keep that in mind, okay? And actually, let me tell you something. Every chapter of John is a, is a chapter of signs. You see signs in every single chapter of John. John is, listen, John, because life is mysterious. Really, even scientists today. We're going to have tomorrow, I guess, a brother Ken Diller. He has been a scientist for so many decades. We cannot fully understand life. It's very mysterious. How much more the divine life is very mysterious. So we're just, you know, scratching the surface of John. John is very peculiar. It was written in the simplest of languages, third grade level, very simple. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But what is that? <laughs> what, what, what is the Word? Why, John, you use the word? You see, it's very, very deep. It's the deepest of all the books because it emphasizes the divine life, which is very mysterious. Okay? So every chapter in the Gospel of John is a chapter of signs. Now let us move on to the first sign. Now you know what is the first sign. The word. Verse 1. Okay? So let us do something. Let us write here the word. And I want to do a quick job. I just have um, a few minutes. The word in eternity past. Okay, so what is the word? What is this, the, the significance of this sign? Why John the apostle picked up this Word in the beginning was the word. He could have said, in the beginning was the Almighty God, in the beginning was, you know, Jehovah God. He said, in the beginning was the word. Because God is so mysterious, is invisible. Right? You know, when if I am a quiet person and you never hear me speaking, I'm a mystery to you. I never speak. I never said any word. 
So I, I become a mystery to you. So John uses this word because the word, listen to this, is God defined, God explained. Right? This is the word. God defined, God explained, God revealed. The word makes God known to human beings. That's the preciousness of the word. And that's why you have these two verses we should read together. John 1.18 and then John 14.9. Go. You see? So, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the Word incarnate, defines, explains, reveals, proclaims God. When we see Jesus, we see God the Father. How precious the Word is. Okay? Now, as the Word, He is both the living word of God, and also the written word of God. So if you, and I hope you become a young person, if you want to become a young person who knows God, you need to do at least two things. Number one, you need to spend time beholding Christ, gazing at him. You have to. But not only that, number two, if you want to know God, you must spend time reading and studying the written word. And I guarantee you, if you do this regularly, in time, you will become a person. Like Daniel 11.32 says, the people who know their God will show strength and take action. You will become one among these that know your God. Why? Because you spend time, number one, gazing at him, contemplating him. And number two, you spend time reading and studying his written word. Okay? Then we move on to the tabernacle. Okay, how about we read the verses there. Both John 1.14 and again Colossians 2.9. Go. Very good. And um, Colossians 2.9. Okay, let's now go to our diagram here. And, um, you know, at some point, um, this wonderful word, which is God defined, explained, and revealed, took a step to have a new beginning. Right? So he became the tabernacle. I'm going to put this with a T. Tabernacle. 
The Greek word, which is rendered here in this verse, became, indicates, you need to write this down, a strong step related to having a new beginning. Look at what big step he took. He, being God, he came out of eternity into time. And he brought through incarnation, the infinite God into a finite man. So through his incarnation, right, he partook of something he didn't have. That is humanity. So when he became a man, he mingled himself with man, and he was joined to man, to become God's habitation, God's tabernacle. That's where God dwelt, right? In the tabernacle, right here. Now, there is an outstanding characteristic of the tabernacle. I'm going to refer to the typology of this tabernacle in the Old Testament, the tabernacle of Moses, it was like a tent with curtains, and it had an entrance. And the priests and the high priests could enter into the tabernacle, which means that this tabernacle is enterable. So when he comes here as the tabernacle, he's not only mingled with man, joined as, as one with man, but God wants man to enter into him. This may be a new concept to you, but it's right there, even in the Old Testament. That's why I'm giving you Psalm 91. Go ahead and read that verse, please. You have been our dwelling place. God wants to be our dwelling place. So when he comes as a tabernacle, he joins himself to man, right? But he is enterable, and he wants us to enter into him. And even John 14, 3 and 20. How about brothers? Read verse 3 and sisters 20. Go ahead. Okay, now underline in verse 3, so that where I am, you also may be. That's what he says. So that where I am, you also may be. I'm going to die, I'm going to resurrect, so that where I am, you also may be. And where is he going to be, or where is he? Verse 20, I am in my Father. That's where he wants us to be. Not a place, but a person. Right? So according to John 14, the Lord wants to bring us into God himself. That's what he desires. 
So the tabernacle, as the, as the second sign in John chapter 1, signifies that it is possible to enter into God. Amen. It is possible to enter into God. But there is a problem. God is holy, righteous, glorious, and we are sinful. <laughs> Romans 3.23, right? Famous verse. For all have sinned, and what? Fall short of the glory of God. So the tabernacle is here. It is enterable. Wow, but God is holy, and I'm a sinful person. No worries. <laughs> God is determined to accomplish his purpose. So he makes a wonderful provision. In the Old Testament, it was all these offerings. Through the offerings, and only through the offerings, the priest could enter into the tabernacle. Without the blood of the, lamb, the animals, sacrifices, they could not enter. You know who is the reality of all those offerings in the Old Testament? Who is the fulfillment? It's Jesus! Amen. No wonder the next sign is the Lamb of God. Because he's entrable, I'm a sinful person, but God says, don't worry, I'm going to give you this wonderful provision, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here comes our third sign. Okay. And that is the Lamb of God. The reality of all the offerings in the, the New Testament, okay? So John 1.39, go ahead and read it again. The next day... That's right. So this same God, who is the Word, who became a tabernacle, now he is also the Lamb, as God's provision for... Man to enter into God. And regardless of the problem of sin, God has a way to deal with that. Romans 5.12, go ahead and read it. All have sin. Yes, sin is a problem. But God has a solution for the fulfillment of his purpose. God has provided the lamb, the blood of the lamb, so that we can enter into God. Hebrews 10, 19, write down this reference in your notes. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brothers, boldness for entering the holy of holies in the blood of Jesus. Entering into the holy of holies in the blood of Jesus. And even at the end of the Bible... God is reminding us. God is encouraging us. In Revelation 22, 14, let us read that all together. Go. Yes. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gates into the city. Very good. Wash your robes. Every day. Wash your robes. With what? With the blood of the Lamb. So that what? I may be clean, and that's it. No, that we may partake of the tree of life and enter into the city. What is that city? 
Of course, it's the New Jerusalem, but Revelation 21, verse 3, refers to that city as the tabernacle of God. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Okay? So we have the Lamb. Don't you love the Lamb? He's God's provision for sinful people like you and me so that we can enter into him. Then we have the dove. You know, Jesus was crucified, buried, and then he resurrected. And in resurrection, something wonderful happened. He became the life-giving spirit. So here in resurrection, you have the dove. In verse 32, go ahead and read that. Go. Good. Okay. So, the very God who was the Word and became a tabernacle and the Lamb for our sins, now in His resurrection, He has become the dove to do one thing. As the life-giving Spirit, He imparts God's life into us to regenerate us. So, 1 Corinthians 15.45 says, The last Adam became a life-giving Spirit. That's the dove. Now he wants to impart God's life into us. Okay, so he was ascended and enthroned, and then he comes down here into a human being made of three parts. I don't know if this is new to you or not, but man has three parts. Okay, which are... Body and spirit. Okay, so he comes first to into our spirit to regenerate us right here. John 3 6 says, go ahead and read it. That which is born. You see, the dove, the spirit. That which is born of this one yeah. is this one. Yeah. That's why we have a human spirit. I love my human spirit. Yeah. Praise the Lord, we have a human spirit. Yeah. It's a proper receptacle. It's a proper organ given to us, created in us by God, so that we can receive him. Look at all the, uh, the travel that God is doing, right? Eventually to hit the mark, to get into the target. To give us his life, the divine life. Now, talking about regeneration, I want to give you a complete picture based on the Gospel of John on regeneration. And it, it touches the matter of baptism. I want you to see John 3.5. It's not there, but you, if you have your Bible, just John 3.5, or if not, just follow what I'm reading. Jesus answered, and this is the Lord Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He's helping Nicodemus realize the need to be born again, to be born anew. 
okay? Unless one is born of water and the spirit. Amen. Two things. What is the water here? Nicodemus knew because he, as a Pharisee, knew that John the Baptist was baptizing people into water. So water was the central concept of the ministry of John the Baptist. And that is to, you have to write this down, terminate people of the old creation. Amen. To terminate you. Amen. And what about the spirit? The spirit is the central concept of the ministry of Jesus. That is to germinate people in the new creation. So you are terminated as a people of the old creation, and then you are germinated into the new creation. These two main concepts, together, water and the spirit, constitute the, the concept of regeneration. These two, together. So regeneration is the termination of people of the old creation with all their deeds, and the germination of these people in the new creation with the divine life. So, the Lord spoke these words to Nicodemus so that he would have a way to enter into, not just see the kingdom of God, but enter into the kingdom of God. And we hope that many of you who travel all that distance to come to this conference will listen to the Lord. Maybe he's speaking to you. You need to be born of water. You need to be born again, right, of water and the Spirit. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, call on his name, and be baptized. Amen. Don't stay with one foot in the old creation and in Satan's kingdom. Come out of that. Wow, how? By being baptized. Let your old creation, with all your deeds, be buried under water and come out in newness of life. So tomorrow, we will have water for you. All of you who want to be baptized. There is a chance for us, you know, to carry out that aspect of regeneration, to be baptized in water, okay? So just consider uh, you can also check with the people you came with your locality, and we will, find, we will find a place somewhere here. There is water for you to be baptized. No problem about the water, okay? Just bring this to the Lord. I hope many of you follow the Lord, as I told you. I speak, you follow the Lord. Maybe the Lord will speak to you. Water. Water, Okay. Be baptized into water. Follow me through the water. And you just say, Amen, Lord. This is the time, okay? Well, very good. Now, for the sake of time, we, let us move on to the stone. Okay, what is the stone? The stone is precious because not only are we are regenerated by the dove, the life-giving spirit, but he is transforming us to make us living, precious stones. So he's growing from our spirit into our soul. He's growing. 
And when we are transformed, we become the stone. Right? That's verse 42. We already read that verse. The Lord Jesus changed the name of Simon to Cephas, which is Peter, that is Petros, a stone. So God is in the business of transforming us. You have to see, why is he transforming us? Many years ago, maybe Neil doesn't remember this, but many, many, many years ago, when I was a new believer, I was so excited as a new believer. I was like, like you, Ezekiel, sitting in the front row, yes, so happy. And he asked me something, what are you, Ezekiel? And I said, I'm a living stone. And because I was a new one, everybody was clapping and happy. <laughs> then Neil comes at the end of the meeting and says, great, Jose Luis, maybe next time you can say, I'm a stone for God's building. <laughs> it's good, right, Ezekiel, to be a stone, but we need to be a stone for something. Remember, God has a purpose. We haven't finished the six signs. We have number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, and now we come to number six. Amen. This is God's greatest need. So far, everything for us. But now, he has a need. Now, this verse always touches us. Ezekiel, I mean, uh, Exodus 25, 8. Listen to what God says. And let them make a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell in their midst. He's a homeless God. He needs a house. He needs a dwelling place. Not by himself. Here, he was a tabernacle to himself. But at the end, he's not only with himself. He's with millions of people who have been regenerated by the dove, transformed into precious stones, and built together to be his dwelling place. Another verse, Isaiah 66, 1. You write on this. Thus says Jehovah, heaven is my throne and the earth the footstool of my feet. Where then is the house? God is asking. Rare, you know, that God will ask something for him. Where then is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? I hope your hearts are touched when God opens his heart to you. Where is the house that you will build for me? And the place of my rest. When the Lord Jesus was on this earth talking about rest, he said in Matthew 8.20, Matthew 8.20, brothers, and Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of heaven have roots, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. No rest. And 1 Timothy 3.15, the house of God, which is the church of the living God. So this brings us to the last sign, okay? The house of God. Now, you have the verses there in John 1.51. We already already read that verse, okay? And you have Genesis 28. I want you to see a few things. Encircle... Or, yeah, underline, the angels of God ascending and descending in John 151. And underline in Genesis 28, 12, the same words, the angel of God were ascending and descending. That's Jacob's dream. Okay? He was in the wilderness, away from home, a homeless guy. 
And God, the homeless, gave this homeless person, Jacob, a dream. And in his dream, he saw a ladder. And he saw the angels of God ascending and descending. Now compare the two verses, John 1.51 with Genesis 28.12. The same utterance. Angels of God were ascending and descending. But in the dream, it says, on it. Now, encircle that it in Genesis 28, 12, and connect it to the Son of Man at the end of John 1:51. The it in Jacob's dream, which is the ladder, is the Son of Man in John 1:51. You see? It's the ladder. The ladder is a person. It's Jesus, the Son of Man, who brings heaven to earth and joins earth to heaven. And in that place, you have to see in Genesis 28, 17. How about you read that together? And 17 and 19, go. Bethel, in Hebrew, the house of God. So, at the end, you see, we have here as the last sign, I'm going to use a rectangle, the house. That's number six, the sixth sign. Today is the church. But in its consummation, right, when it is Fulfill completely, it becomes the new Jerusalem for eternity. That's the house. Right here and right here, the house. Today, the church, eternity future, new Jerusalem, the tabernacle of God is with man. This is God's eternal purpose. In one chapter... You go from eternity past to eternity future. This wonderful God becomes a tabernacle that is enterable. Pay attention, Isaac and you, brothers. I'm going to call you, okay? (laughs) Becomes a tabernacle to dwell among us. Key characteristic of this tabernacle is enterable. God wants us to enter into him, be mingled with him, be joined to him, be one with him. But, sorry, there is a problem. Man is sinful. No worries. The Lamb is here. By the blood of the Lamb, we can enter into Him. And then what? He is the dove. In resurrection, He became the life-giving Spirit to impart His life into us. First in our spirit, then spreads, grows, or enlarges in our soul to transform us into stones. Precious living stones. For exhibition? No. For a museum? No. For what? For God's building. I'm a living stone for God's build. Neil, after so many years, now I can tell you. (laughs) I'm a living stone for God's building. And this building is the church today, and it consummates in the new Jerusalem for eternity. This this vision changed my whole life. Actually, I don't know if I should say it here or not, but I'm going to say it. I told Martha two days ago, 
Marta, I, you know, after you reach certain age, you, 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 you start to think about the time when you're going to go with the Lord. <laughs> so I said, Marta, Marta, if it happens that I go first, I'm going to ask you just one thing. Remember this one thing. Wherever I am buried, and there is a, either a stone or a, a whatever, plague, a tombstone, make sure this diagram <laughs> is there. Really, I'm serious. This diagram changed my whole life. I came to this country for another reason. I shouldn't be here. I should be somewhere else. My dream was something else, but God gave me another dream. The dream of Jacob. And I said, awesome is this place. The house of God, Bethel. It's worth giving my life. I look back and I say, Lord, what a mercy. You saved me from a life of vanity. Listen to, I I finish with this. Um, You know, this quote uh, at the end of the uh, 20th century, someone, someone said this. Concerning this age, our culture's fear It's not the fear of death, as it was for the ancient cultures of Greece and Rome. No. Nor is it the fear of hell, as with some societies of the Middle Ages. Not the fear of death, not the fear of hell. No, the fear of this age is the fear of, what would you put? The fear of what? Meaninglessness. Yes. The fear of meaninglessness. Why so many people are not happy? Why so many people are depressed? Why so many people have no, they have found no meaning in their lives, regardless of how many things they may have or accomplish? This brings meaning to our lives. This will save us. Now, okay, so now I'm going to challenge a brother and then another brother, maybe, (laughs) um, to come to the front and make these six signs, this diagram, yours. And speak it to us. Okay, so, who, who Isaac. <laughs> I, I, I know Isaac, so that's why I... Okay, Isaac, okay. So, I think I need to stand here with, next to you. Okay, so that, Okay, so, speak to them. I wish you could have these, but anyhow, just do it, just, just do it. Okay, go ahead, it's all yours. Well, I do, I do like, I do like the... Okay, so in eternity past, God was God, but he had an eternal purpose. Amen. This purpose was not made known to, well, it's made known through his word. Yeah. This word in John 1.1 is God. Amen. (laughs) So in eternity past, he was a word, but now he came to be man. Amen. And tabernacle among us. Yes. In John 1.14. This tabernacle is enterable. Yes. We can enter into God. Yes. The problem, though, we have sinned. Right. Not holy. That's right. How did God deal with that? The cross. Yes. He's the Lamb of God. Yes. The greatest sin in the world. Amen. He died. <laughs> but he's a dog. <laughs> he's a life-giving spirit. <laughs> Enthronement. Now, as a life-giving spirit, he has come into our spirit to give us life. Yes. To make us living stones. Yeah. Now that fulfills our need. 
but God has a greater need. Yes. His house. Yeah. The, the house of God. Yes. In Bethel. And this is, in this age, the church. But in the glorious eternal future, it's the new Jerusalem. Amen. Awesome. Very good. Okay. I want to challenge uh, brother from Lubbock. If you, are, if, you are, if you are here from Lubbock, I want to call you and give you a chance to explain to us this, just as Isaac did. Anyone from Lubbock? What is your name? Carson. Okay. Yeah, so Carson. remember, this is yours. This is your message. Mine. You're sharing with all of us. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So, as Isaac amazingly presented, this is God Amen. in eternity past. Amen. He was the Word. This is the first sign in John 1. Yeah. Then this arrow means he became a man. Wow. The tabernacle among us. Wow. Become enterable. Amen. <laughs> Step three, sign three. The Lamb of God. No, 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 go ahead. He's the Lamb of God. Amen. This means we have sin and we need blood to be shed on our behalf so we can be saved. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Next, he's the dove. Amen. <laughs> this shows him as the life-giving spirit. Yes. This is the fourth sign. Fifth sign, stone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a stone. What is a stone? Yeah. Um, Transformation. Transformation, yes. So the life-giving spirit now comes into us so we can be transformed. Yes. Part of God's building. And I get yes. Jose Luis and we're for the stone. Yes. <laughs> Built up. <laughs> okay. okay. And last is one. Good? Um, House of God. Yes. House of God. And this is, uh, in this age, the church, which is all of us, God's people. Praise Him, praise Him. And uh, the new Jerusalem in eternity, future. Amen. We're be spending our entire lives together forever. That's crazy. Amen. <laughs> I think uh, they are doing a much better job than I did, right? I'm, okay. Now one more, uh, because we are running out of time. The Valley, a brother from the Valley. Is Edinburgh, Brownsville, I need a brother from the Valley. This is your chance. I don't mean uh, that he lives in Austin and he's from the Valley. I mean the ones who came from the Valley. Okay, a brother, quickly. Who? Okay, one of you brothers, go ahead, come. Okay, very good. Yep. Oh. Wow. Awesome brothers. 
Very good. OK, go ahead. And you will be the last one, so go ahead. So maybe two each, right, since you are three? OK, go ahead. So this first one represents God. Amen. And this represents him becoming a man. Amen. Um. <laughs> yeah, keep going, bro. That's fine. Yep. Good. So now he became the tabernacle, right? So yes. He, uh, he's able to, we're able to enter into him, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So then he became the Lamb of God. Okay. Why do we need the lamb? You need to tell us. Take away the sin from the world. Yes, good. And then? Then he became the dove. Uh-huh. To enter into us. Yes. In our spirit. Yes. And then? He created us into precious stones, right? Yes. For the house of God. That's right. So Which now, to, uh -huh, go ahead. at the end, which is the eternal future, it is the new Jerusalem. Oh. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just rejoice to see young people seeing this, speaking this, being captured by this, being wrecked by this vision for the rest of your lives. So maybe we can uh, end with a prayer. Thank you so much. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. I'd like to thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your mercy. Amen. Thank you that you define God. Amen. And you became the enterable God. Amen. You became the Lamb of God to take away our sin. Amen. And the life-giving spirit to regenerate us. Amen. Now you are transforming us. Amen. You are building us up together Amen. to be God's house. Amen. Both now and for eternity. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.